Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Hey, and welcome to Rewatch. This is the show about movies we love and movies that we haven't seen yet. Each week, myself, I'm Seth, and my co-host, Zach. Hello. Each week, we pick a movie that one of us has seen and the other hasn't seen, and we watch it and then we talk about it. And that's the gist of the show. Uh, this week, Zach chose a movie for us to watch. Zach, what did we, what did we watch this week? We watched The Edge of Seventeen. It's a 2016 movie starring Haley Steinfeld, Haley Lou Richardson, and Blake Jenner, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig and written by Kelly Freeman Craig. It was released by A24 Productions, one of my favorite labels, not labels, what is it, production companies. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's about a girl whose life just isn't really that bad but it feels like it is yeah yeah for sure uh you could say that because it was released in 2016 it was released on the edge of 2017 mm -hmm. you, you could indeed say that yeah cool actually looking it up i do want to say i it actually wasn't released by a24 it wasn't no, because we had talked about that. You had said, um, you had talked about it being. It feels like an A twenty four. It does feel like an A twenty four film, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But we were we were talking about that before, and I noticed I didn't notice the A twenty four logo at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's actually it was released by STX Entertainment. Okay. Well. So there we the go. more you know, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, not not trying to just like drag you down just no something i noticed it's it's good i need to like more <laughs> movies that aren't just a24 <laughs> well you can also dislike plenty of movies that are a24 that's true i do have my fair share of disliked a24 movies so yeah i i enjoyed this film i enjoyed it a lot yeah that that's i mean i i, I don't know if i have necessarily anything more to say at the present moment <laughs> Um, you can, I'll let you kind of guide the conversation, but that's kind of, that's kind of where, where I am with it. I, okay. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, very similar to Lady Bird, which mm -hmm. we have talked about on this podcast before. Yep. I presume similar to a movie like Booksmart, though I have not seen Booksmart. I um, haven't either. It, it's, it's on my list. Yeah, me too. It seems, it just, it seems like in that vein of like mm -hmm. coming of age teenage girl movies 
Um, yep. Which not against. So yep. yeah. Specifically, yeah. I guess coming of age teenage girl movies made by women writer directors. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not against any of those things. So yeah. Yeah. What were so, your thoughts kind of coming back to it? Coming back to it, I loved it just as much, if not more, than the first time. Yeah. Um, but you you hadn't seen it yet, so I'm curious what your your initial thoughts were upon first viewing. Yeah. Um I don't know, like it there was nothing about the movie that necessarily stood out as it's not a very see i'm trying to find the right way because i definitely did enjoy it um but i was not like trying to find the right word for this it nothing really stuck out as like necessarily incredibly unique to me um in the film but at the same time i thought that it is a really good uh story and told really well. I think that what it does really well is does the thing that I think movies should do, which is emotionally connect with you and entertain you. And I think this movie did exactly that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was good. Yeah. Cool. I, so, I yeah, agree. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's hard to pick a certain thing about it other than just mm. the feeling of it all because mm. um, yeah. there's not there's not a significant event really um other than what she kind of like sets up for herself mm-hmm. um, well it's a it's a very low stakes movie that uses those low stakes to its advantage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because it it highlights them as a teenager and how mm-hmm. even what appears to be low stakes can come off as like life or death when you're in it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I think um yeah, I, I I I will say that there was a standout in Haley Seinfeld's performance, um, which I think needs to be acknowledged. Um, that's why I hesitated to say that there was nothing really unique about it. The story is very – it's not generic, but it is very um, standard in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's – counteracted that that kind of standardness is counteracted by the fact that the characters are incredibly compelling right and uh Haley steinfeld's performance is great mm-hmm. um i saw one review that was like this is Haley steinfeld is reminding you why she was nominated for an oscar at like 13 so and and i agree i i mm-hmm. think that this movie kind of proves, you know, I I haven't loved her choices lately. Um, Pitch Perfect three is not a good movie, <laughs> um, but uh, she she does really well in this one. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I loved. I, I texted you while I was watching it, but I loved that the the biggest twist of the movie was that uh, Woody Harrelson was married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the like the biggest like reveal was that w- w- someone found Woody Harrelson attractive enough that they would marry him and have a child with him. <laughs> isn't he? Isn't he actually married though? I think he is actually married. Yeah. Which I think is almost even funnier. <laughs> yeah. So, and I also want to point out that this is the second Woody Harrelson movie that we've watched uh, yeah. for this podcast. Specifically, the second Woody Harrelson movie that you have chosen. I mean, it's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I, I can't argue with that logic right there. Well, I, I'm. I want to hear from you. What really stood out to you on round two? Question mark. Um. Well, for one, my feeling after watching the movie was very different. The first time, I I enjoyed it, but afterwards, I was like, like it didn't really affect me that much. This one, it left me with a similar feeling to when Harry met Sally. It just I was happy. I was content. I I watched it at night. I was ready to go to bed. And I was just like, yay, I can sleep happy now. Um, <laughs> but like, it just, I don't know, it made me feel good. Um, yeah. And it's a fairly different movie from When Harry Met Sally. Not completely different. It's not like When Harry Met Sally versus like um, The Dark Knight Rises or like... <laughs> It's not going like the tone is pretty similar, um, mm-hmm. still lighthearted and yet serious in times. But yeah, it just I am a sucker for coming of age movies. Um, you know this; it'll <laughs> come out more as we do this more. Um, yep. But I I love the classic. That's why I thought it was an A twenty four. I love the classic A twenty four coming of age movie, um, like Lady Bird and eighth grade um but yeah it just may it might be i mean this is going a little into the cycle the psychology of it away from the movie but maybe it's because i was homeschooled and so i didn't have the conventional public Mm -hmm. or even private school childhood and so i'm like oh i'm living this through these other people Um, yeah but yeah, I loved it. I loved the characters even more. I saw into the characters even more. Um, just reading into like, oh, why are they doing this? It's because this is what motivates them. And um, they're doing it because they had, they probably had this kind of childhood. Um, like they're right. Like this is what, this person's goal is in life um like uh blake jenner um his character he's the good child so like his his thing is i'm gonna be the adult i'm gonna be making the right decision because mom's not gonna do it and nadine's not gonna do it so guess it's up to me i gotta be the perfect one um and then nadine she's very she's very her own person um 
and I like that because I don't know, like it it works the way, especially the way Haley Steinfeld did it. Um, she was such a believable, overdramatic high schooler. Yeah, no, there were there are multiple times that it, she would like monologue. And I was thinking, there's no way that they're just going to get away with this. But every time that she does, it's played off as, see, isn't she stupid? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. isn't she ridiculous and narcissistic and whatever else? And I think that's why it works. You know, and it, and it almost like plays both sides where it's like, we're going to give Haley Steinfeld this really great three minute dramatic monologue, but then also we're going to make fun of her for it. Mm-hmm. So you said something, you talked about some stuff in there, um, kind of comparing this movie to Lady Bird in eighth grade, which is a very apt comparison, I think. And I think it's also, yeah, I think, I think it's an apt comparison. I think that it's one that's kind of begging to be made because all three of those movies came out about the same time mm-hmm. and have very very similar subject matter though they approach it very very differently right um so i want to i want to kind of compare and contrast the three a little bit i guess um because that is something i was thinking about because i've seen now i've seen all three of those movies and now and you have two yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i thought it was interesting because um I, the whole time I was also thinking like, oh, eighth grade did that, but better. Or, oh, this movie did that better than Lady Bird or whatever. Um, so one of the things I kept coming back to was the use of technology. Um, mm-hmm. Eighth grade was very widely noted for its use of technology and how that kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And how how it was interwoven with the the film. Um, what are what were your thoughts on the use of technology in Edge of Seventeen? I think it was good. I don't think it was noticeable, which is mm-hmm. what you want. Um, mm-hmm. Like you don't want it to be. I mean, you don't want it to be awkward or forced or feel like it's not like it's serving an awkward purpose. Um, cause like there, there's making something realistic and then there's how boring a text message is if you show it wrong in a movie. Um, and so I think they did, I think they did it well with this. Like, um, even when she was reading out loud what she was sending to the, um, the juvie kid, um, like I believe that she would do that because of who she is Mm -hmm. like first of all it's it's really a good idea to speak out loud stuff like that (laughs) because sometimes it reads differently when you speak it out loud instead of just reading it um but most people don't do that anyway so the fact that she does that speaks to her character as like even no, even though nobody's here, I'm going to read this out loud because that's the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's cool that, like, I mean, they 
use technology that she would use like she would use it. Like, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think that was something that this movie did really well, and Lady Bird, and um, Lady Bird a little bit less so, but uh, Eighth Grade, obviously. I I think that it's very difficult for, especially with as quickly as trends and technology are moving now, it's very difficult to accurately capture like a teenager's life in those circumstances. And I think this movie did a really good job at, no, really, this is how this teen how a teenager would respond in this circumstance. It, what, what you were saying about how she would use the technology. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. You know, like if someone is you, if some, it, it is more likely you're more likely to be taken out of the story. If you see a character incorrectly or inaccurately using technology than you are if you see a character correctly using technology yeah or at least in a way that's consistent with the character Mm -hmm. Uh, which i think is very very important Mm -hmm. um so the characters obviously i think are really where this movie shines mm-hmm. um do you have a favorite character maybe like a favorite character who isn't nadine um and kind of why well other than the fact that it's woody harrelson the teacher uh is my favorite other than nadine it's really it's really a toss-up between the two of them um first of all i have no idea if he's a fantastic teacher or an absolutely terrible teacher the way he <laughs> treats her um i like to believe he knew that she was just always being over dramatic but also like the the cynic in me is like but if she like if he literally said okay like he 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 almost tells her to like that he doesn't care if she kills herself well, literally at the beginning of the movie, we know nothing about him or her or their relationship. And she walks in and says, I'm going to kill myself. And he just laughs it off and makes fun of her. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think this is an ideal scenario for him because she doesn't. But also, like, the the this is weird. The mom in me is like, he shouldn't do that because then if she does kill herself then like he's going to feel terrible and it's going to like actually partially be his fault um <laughs> but because she doesn't i love it i think it's really funny um yep. i love their banter and, and interaction because like it's it's what everybody's thinking but so mm-hmm. much more clever than what anybody's <laughs> thinking yeah yeah i agree and he's able to kind of tell her tell it like it is without being too on the nose about it mm-hmm. um and i like that a lot um i i appreciate that he didn't end up with her mom which would yes. have been oh my like, gosh that would have been terrible that oh no well the thing about this movie is that 
it really does a lot of like here's a happy ending and wraps things up in a nice neat bow Mm -hmm. which i think is fine i enjoy that in a movie i think that contributes to the like warm fuzzy feeling that you were talking about with this Mm -hmm. movie and with when harry met sally um though that's neither here nor there for this um but because it kind of it ties it up in a nice neat bow and you kind of get cool okay um everything is nice and neat but the fact that the thing with her mom is still kind of open-ended and her mom really isn't in the movie a ton though kira sedgwick's kira sedgwick's performance is fantastic um and i loved it Mm -hmm. i thought she was wonderful as she is in most things that she's in but she's kind of a side character to the rest of the thing which is an interesting idea in and of itself um but she the fact that the teacher and the mom don't end up together um i think really sold kind of the believability of it Mm -hmm. because you know she ends up with this boy she ends up with you know her best friend and her brother end up together and like she's semi cool with it so it would have been an easy like okay his arm is around the mom like end but they didn't do that and i appreciate that Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed uh nadine's kind of progression over the course of the movie i think that what the care what the filmmakers did what the writer did uh with presenting kind of these two using the guys in her life that she's pursuing as almost like metaphors for um what uh like who she is and how she feels about herself i thought that was a really interesting thing mm-hmm. um and the fact that she basically she looks at the juvie boy nick i think is his name uh the fact that like when she finally gets to like be with him and she it's a manifestation of her seeing all of the things that she has kind of made happen in her life and she realizes that she doesn't want that Mm -hmm. um and i i thought that was really a really a brilliant idea that this person that she's kind of making fun of is actually who she really wants to be um and i i liked that idea one thing i i saw which i didn't notice the first time was the similar but different reactions um of um erwin and uh and nick when she set an expectation that they were going to get action and then Mm -hmm. denied it. Um, Yeah. But one thing I appreciated um, was, like, even though Nick is a horrible person because he was just there for sex, he and Erwin both respected that she said no. Yeah. Which, like, for the story, it's not super, like, 
exactly exactly pertinent it would have changed a lot of things a lot of things and it wouldn't have fit with the tone of the movie at all but like it shows that like hey nick is a terrible person but he's not going to like actually Mm -hmm. like he's not gonna go too far if she doesn't want to yeah um which is the only good thing about Nick, but hey, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, reassuring. A, it's a pro. He's got at least some potential. He has a lot more human decency than a lot of people. Indeed. And he Indeed. admits that he doesn't care about her. <laughs> what does that at say? Least he, at least he's honest. Though, yeah. again, I think that goes back to what does she think about herself? And the reality is she doesn't care about herself. Mm-hmm. You know, she she verbalizes that, and I and I again, I think that something the filmmakers do so well is giving her the chance to verbalize, like literally say out loud everything she's thinking, mm-hmm. and have it played off as, well, she's being narcissistic, so she's talking about herself, or, or she's drunk, she's drunk, so she's talking about herself, and I, I thought that was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, you know, most of the time in a film, you never say out loud what a character is thinking. Right. And eventually we would get the fact that she hates herself. She doesn't she like herself very much. So we, we get it. But we're given she, – we're, she's given the chance to say that out loud. Mm-hmm. And again, that's props to the writer, director – and also Haley Steinfeld for being able to pull it off because otherwise in the hands of a lesser actress, that would not happen. It would mm-hmm. not fly. It would not work. Yeah. And it shows a lot about the supporting characters um, for like just playing off each other so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like uh, Blake Jenner, his character is such a good, like, he doesn't nece- I I'd say like he doesn't hate her. He's just over her because he's the responsible one and he's always mm-hmm. been the responsible one especially since the dad died. And yep. he's just like can you not for once. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that he has against her is just that she's so dramatic and often irresponsible and that that is just super frustrating to him. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, I one bringing him into the equation. One of the things I I really loved was that he every side character was like given a moment, um, and they were given a moment to like tell Nadine kind of what they think of her (laughs) in a sense where they're able to just say hey look if you look outside yourself for a second like look look at what i'm dealing with look at look at what chris is dealing with look at what your mom's dealing with look at what your teacher's dealing with like they're all kind of given this moment of we know what you think about us but actually look at us for a second Mm -hmm. and i i I liked that 
a lot. I and I think that it's you know it's a good thing for the actors too. I think that it really gave everyone a kind of moment to shine. Um, you know, Blake Jenner's moment in the doorway of the house was like a good moment. Um, and yeah, I just I think that's good. Were there any things watching it this time that you were like, ooh, that that was that was rough or like that wasn't as good as I thought it was? Um, not really. There were some like scenarios that made me a little like mm, maybe that's not super realistic. Or I don't know, maybe it's just not a good idea. Um, like, um, for Woody Harrelson to drive a student by himself, especially a female student, especially at night, especially yeah. to his home. <laughs> like, well, I guess maybe not to his home because his wife and baby are there, but like, that is a very bad idea. And it only works in the context of a movie where nothing happens. Like, yeah. not, e not even, like, where, like, not even, in a movie where they don't address that is the only scenario where that actually yeah. works. Yeah. Because, um, like, in real life, it's a really bad idea for any, it's it's a really bad idea for a teacher to do that. Um, because of Definitely. liability and everything. But in a movie where, like, you can ignore that in a movie because, well, obviously, in the movie, nothing happens and they don't act like something did happen, did happen when it didn't. So that's, that's the only thing that I was like, eh, maybe not the most realistic, but also, like, there are non predator school teachers who exist who could do that and it would be fine it's just still not the greatest idea yeah yeah <laughs> true that was a really random soapbox <laughs> it was there were there were a couple things that for me kind of stuck out that I was on that train up until his wife was there mm -hmm. and I was like, cause I, he, she's like walking near his house and I'm like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't good. Like, especially cause that scene is played suspensefully a little bit. So I was mm -hmm. like, what is this movie about to just dramatically shift? Yeah. Um, and luckily, thankfully it didn't. Right. Um, there were, there were two things one of them is more of a taste thing um as far as like me and what i like in movies uh the the other is not the other was simply that if uh the writer of this movie could write such a good movie cuz it's a good movie then they could have written a movie for erwin that was just a little bit better yeah. Than the movie that that we saw. Well, it was. I mean, it's better. It's better than anything I wrote in high school. 
That's fair. <laughs> and the okay, so this this jumped out at me. Um, he had no idea what he was going to do mm-hmm. earlier in the week, and he made that in less than a week. That's true. Which is funny because a lot of times when that happens in a in a movie where they're like, man, yeah, I have a week to do this and I don't know. And then they pull out something great. It's not a film. So mm-hmm. the person writing may, may have no clue like how long it actually takes to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But this is a filmmaker. So it was really that that was funny to me. Yeah. Like I I've never done an animation. But I I feel like that was complex it's a little enough, difficult yeah that it might have taken more than a week either that or he didn't do anything else that entire week when he got yeah. out of school granted his parents yeah. aren't home so there's not really anything to, else to do but true true well the other thing that was more of a taste issue um i did not love the uh opening sequence as much uh specifically the voiceover um i i go back and forth i didn't love it here um and kind of how it was used um i would have rather have just gotten to know the character rather than kind of be told the characters Mm -hmm. um i think it works within the context of the movie to a point um but for me if you're gonna do voiceover either make it like whimsical enough that I can that there can be voiceover and then no more voiceover or make it um consistent throughout the rest of the the film mm-hmm. and the fact that this kind of opening sequence sets up the scene that we see at the beginning um kind of bothered me a little bit because I would have rather have just gotten to know the character. Um, I I personally would have loved... Um, I, I did still love the fact that it begins in the middle of a sentence, like beginning in the middle of a sentence, and then we see how we get there. I'm going to see what comes after. Um... I just I feel like there was another way to get to still have that and get into the rest of the story without the voiceover mm-hmm. or with this character you could have had voiceover for the rest of the film. And oh I, yeah. And I feel like I feel like it's either you have voiceover throughout the film or you don't have voiceover here. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was a little disappointing to me. Yeah. But that's also a taste thing. So it it did not halt my enjoyment of the film. That is much more a me watching and saying, you know, if I did this, I would have done that differently. Mm-hmm. So, um, which one, I do. I think we all do. Yeah. Uh, one nitpick thing that I have is with casting older actors to play younger characters. Definitely. Um, which is okay sometimes. Um, it's more noticeable with guys often, especially when they're jocks. Because, like, 
to an extent, muscle tone is limited unless you're just like always in the gym. <laughs> and I feel like Blake Jenner was a little big to be a senior. A little bit. Yeah. Um but th- what what bothered me more was the fact that Irwin like Irwin first of all looked like he's in his mid 20s. Yeah. And then the fact that he also had abs was just frustrating because <laughs> I'm like you're a filmmaker and an artist. Why are you like why ripped. why is this <laughs> why are necessary? You and what do I have to do uh, to be able to sit it out, sit around all day and also look like that? Well, like it, it, it seemed unnecessary and like it didn't, what do I know about like whether, I don't know, like it, it felt odd for Irwin, this awkward kid to have abs yeah, like, I don't well, know, it's like one, yeah, it's one of those things that like, when you're casting a film, you're like, we want pretty people, and yeah. where where is the line between we want pretty people and we want idealized versions and we want realist realistic stuff, and I think part of the difficulty is, you know. Haley Steinfeld was not quite the same age as Nadine in this, mm-hmm. but she's fairly close. She's right. close enough that she doesn't look like she didn't look too different. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and obviously there are legal limitations with working with child actors as there should be. Right. And it can be difficult and it's a lot easier to cast 18 year olds as 16 year olds versus actual 16 year olds as 16 year olds Mm -hmm. but i think you're right it reaches a point where it's like okay you just don't look real you know like you don't you do not look like this character that you're supposed to be portraying um so Do do you know why he looked like he was so old because he was because he was born in 1985. <laughs> Dude was 30. Oh my gosh. That's Played okay. A high schooler. But the the college like the the actors experience of that has to suck too, right? Right? Like, hey, we got this role for you. Oh cool, what is it? Well, you see you're a senior He's in high school. 16. Yeah. Um, um yeah, no, I I that can't be that can't be fun on either end. That's got to be that yeah, game. that's got to be weird for the other actors. Mm-hmm. Who are like uh like Haley Steinfeld was 20. Yeah. So she's yeah. acting alongside somebody who's been out of high school. For half her life, basically. half of her, yeah, more than half her, more life. than half of her life, for three quarters of her life, 
Ultimately, yeah. I guess yeah, not that court. can't like, be. Yeah. It can't be fun. It, and obviously, they're professionals and no actors will act. But yeah, man. I Yeah. Yeah. The guy's yeah, older than my is... oldest brother. <laughs> That'd be like me. That would be like. That would be like me acting alongside my oldest brother in high school. Yeah. 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 No, I I can't. I can't really imagine that. Like, it's such a, such a strange thing, and. You know, to their credit, I think the actors did well. They did, Um, yeah. But in a movie that feels already realistic, in a lot of ways, um. You know, I think that, you know, one of the appeals of eighth grade is that actors have acne and they just like they look they look like the people that they're playing. That's yeah, that's that's one. Of, that was. Yeah, they're not I, idealized character. They're not idealized physically. No, no. Um, and, and that's the point. Yeah. And obviously, like the point of Edge of 17 is very different than mm-hmm. eighth grade. Um that realness of the actors drives home the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's like, you know, it, you, no, no person, I, I did go to a high school. Like, I was not homeschooled in high school. And no person I knew had as skin as flawless as every character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Even the most popular, most beautiful did not. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that I appreciated also about um, Lady Bird. Yeah. Um, because I'm pretty sure I read that Saoirse Ronan didn't wear makeup or not much. Um, no, she looks she looks very real, and mm-hmm. that's a very raw performance. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I agree. I think that's something I would have liked to have seen in Edge of Seventeen. Um, it it didn't necessarily halt my enjoyment, but I think I would have it could have leveled up the film um, a lot more mm-hmm. if that were the case. Well, so Zach, what would you rate this movie and why? I'm gonna give it a four because it makes me feel good and I really enjoyed it. But there's like thirty year old Irwin and. <laughs> a few other inconsistencies that it's it's good but it's not it's not the perfect movie gotcha i i gave it a four and a half um again i i agree i it's good it's not the perfect movie um that i think that extra half star for me is that like emotional connection of like yeah i really enjoyed it on top of it being a good movie um there were a few things i think the inconsistencies the the voiceover the um some of the pacing i think at times you know i i think that um that that kind of took it down a little bit for me but still i i definitely enjoyed it so would you rewatch this movie zach absolutely i'm planning to with my roommate pretty soon i actually <laughs> i after watching the movie I went and I told him, hey, I want to watch this again. And I think you should see it 
and like very few movies even if i want to rewatch them i come out of it like i want to watch this again now <laughs> and that did it for me so cool. add that add 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 that as whatever extra icing on the cake you want to add it as <laughs> well cool i i definitely would rewatch this at some point um i'm not sure what situation i'd be in to rewatch it uh but i could definitely i could definitely see myself rewatching this at some point in my life cool so why don't you hit me with a recommendation for this week all right so my recommendation is actually an a24 production it's swiss army man it's on Uh, netflix it's daniel radcliffe's favorite movie that he's been in um it's hard to explain kind of it's a guy stranded in the woods uh with a dead guy who can do stuff if yeah if you like fart jokes and uh artistic cinematography this is this is your movie (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like daniel radcliffe reached the point in his career after harry potter where he was like you know what i'm just gonna do whatever i want Mm -hmm. i don't need to make money i can just do stuff right he can just have fun yeah well cool my recommendation for this week is a nora efron movie um that you know we talked about nora efron last week zach this Mm -hmm. week i'm gonna suggest you've got mail which is another Meg Ryan Nora Ephron team up this time with Tom Hanks. It's it's just a good time. You know, you want to talk about movies that just make you feel good. Um yeah, this is this is one of those. Uh highly recommend it. Uh yeah. So I guess that means that it's my turn to suggest a movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. The movie for next week is won't you be my neighbor it is a documentary which is not something we've done on this show yet um so that that'll be interesting and fun uh it's a documentary about mr rogers uh fred rogers and just his life and like that kind of stuff um yeah uh i guess continuing the trend of just movies that make you feel good inside once you finish them i think we watched enough dramas and like well i guess we haven't really watched that much that's been dark so well i mean we i we've watched a lot of more of like the artsy like we started with a lot of like artsy Mm r-rated um kind of stuff so i think it's good to kind of go back and forth um you know, I'm looking looking at what we've done, and you know, some of them were, some of them weren't. But like Pan's Labyrinth, uh, oh yeah, Parasite, yeah, we, still need, we still need to do Psycho. some lighter ones to. So to trying to counteract, yeah. I think if we can, if we can overcompensate from Pan's Labyrinth and Psycho, like if we can kind of and Parasite, if we can shift the other way a little bit for a little bit, yeah. that'll that'll help even us out. Yeah. So yeah, won't you be my neighbor? It's it's a it's a good one. Um. And that's what we'll talk about next week. So if you want to watch it along with us, please do. 
Uh, and if you want to tell us what you think, if you think that we should talk about a certain movie that maybe one of us has seen, you can hit us up on Instagram. I am at Seth Scruggs. Zach is at Bashful Coyote. He's also on Twitter, um, at Bashful Coyote. You can also follow Mark Spots the X dot Productions. That's just the kind of banner that we have for all the stuff that we do, including this podcast, as well as other stuff uh, that we make. So if you're into that kind of stuff, follow us, check it out. Uh, you know, hit us up with any comments, concerns. You know, one thing that you can do to help us out, if you really like this podcast for some reason, you can give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that helps us out. Follow us and all the things. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you, Zach. Bye, Seth.